What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Elusive Tuesday edition of the show. This is your midweek show. This is going to be your Illinois preview. We recorded yesterday. That show's been up, uh, I don't know, 14 hours or so. So we're going to put this together. It will be a bit of an abbreviated show. I've got a big day in front of us. You know, we get done with you guys here. I've got to go drop the dogs off and uh, get ready to go on vacation. So reminder, there will not be another show this week. This is your last show of the year, and what a year it's been. If you missed the uh, year in review show, you can go find that on all your uh, podcast feeds. There's also an article out there on jeanspage.com, picture of Will Rogers kissing the golden egg. How about that? It's always good. We didn't talk about that at length yesterday. We just kind of took an overview of the year. Interesting year, to say the least. Some good, some bad. Unfortunately, three coaching changes. We expected one of those, <laughs> uh, Ben Howen, but uh, be that as it may, here we are. And uh, a lot to talk about today. Got some staffing change uh, chatter we're going to talk about later in the show. Kind of an interesting top 10 list. We'll get to that a little bit later, obviously. But uh, we're going to talk about Illinois. And your team will fly out today on a charter plane from 11. Now, there are also players that did not rendezvous with the team back in Starkville. They're flying from other parts of the country. And with all of this uh, amazing delays in air travel, there could be some guys that are late. It's pretty crazy how it all works. Southwest counts and flights all over the country. I don't know what's going on with that. I don't know that industry, so I'm not going to sit here and be critical. I don't know. I just know there are a lot of people that are trying to get home or trying to get to bowl locations or New Year's Eve destinations uh, that are having trouble. My two of my kids were flying, were supposed to fly to Memphis on Saturday to get down to Orlando. Didn't get out until Sunday, uh, so that you know that that's an issue, obviously. But uh, they're there and uh, Universal today having a great time. I'm not with them. I'm with you. And then of course the bride flies out from uh, New Mexico tomorrow, and I'm picking her up in Orlando before we begin our family vacation. So you know, hey, we're depending on the flight industry to kind of do what they've uh, accepted our money to do. So hopefully everything works out the way that it should. Uh, but there are other people out there that are having to deal with that, including some of your players. And so 
Today is a travel day. Hopefully everybody can get there and be able to take part in all the, uh, the festivities, the final bowl preps, and that sort of stuff. And uh, you know, the game is Monday. Today's Tuesday, so we're kind of in game week, right? You know, a week from the day, college football season will be over for the Mississippi State Bulldogs. In many ways, kind of a merciful end. And I don't mean that because it's been a, dip, a, a down year any stretch, but it's been a very emotional year. It's taken quite a toll on the players, coaches, team, and certainly the fan base. And then in addition to that, there's going to be some changes on the coaching staff uh, here in the weeks ahead. So I'm going to begin to kind of prepare you for some of that as, uh, as we get into the show a little bit later. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I love Bulldog Burger Company. You will too. You probably already do. Bulldog Burger Company, a great company, doing a great job for some great folks. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Star Vegas with that new patio area. Be sure and go check that out. Lake Harbor Drive and Origin Flowwood area, and then Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. That is a great location. If you haven't been there, you're just kind of out and about. Maybe you're a Starkvillian, and you start thinking, well, I can eat Bulldog Burger Company whenever I want to. Well, that's true. But when you're in Tupelo for business, perhaps for pleasure, stop by that location. I think you'll be glad that you did. Uh, it's an outstanding location. I like where it's located. I like the facility itself. Go in there and have the spring rolls as your appetizer. They'll make you and everybody around you better looking. In addition to that, you can have that great restaurant-quality hamburger or perhaps the BLT salad. I've got a lot of other options, too. I like the chicken wings there, too. They're seasoned exceptionally well. Sometimes I get that as an entree. Whatever I don't eat, I bring them home. A lot, a lot of chicken wing people are going with the smaller uh, you know, drumettes and the wings themselves. Not the case at Bulldog Burger Company. The same quality you've always grown to expect from them. And I love that chocolate shake to go. And your good friend and host is now under 200 pounds, so I probably need chocolate shake to go, right? Enjoy life and treat yourself. Bulldog Burger Company is a great place to do that. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. All right, let's talk about Illinois. We have not had a chance to talk a lot of football over the course of the last month. You know, we win the egg, and we're feeling great about life, and we're all thinking, okay, well, you know, we'll get a Florida ball game somewhere. And then, of course, there's all this chatter from people, um, you know, that are never in doubt but often in error, suggesting we're going here, going there, or whatever. I even saw somebody suggest we were going to the Birmingham Bowl. It's like, oh, my gosh. Just find another profession, dude. I mean, come on. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's like, hey, we should get the better ball game. And I'll miss folks for saying, no, we should get the better ball game. Even though we finished with the same record and beat them head to head, there was no chance of that happening. Zero. And so I think it's interesting, too, that uh, they go to the top 10 and end up going to a lesser ball game. And so uh, best of luck to them. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I don't, I don't, I, if they never won a game again, it'd be okay with me. But, uh, we haven't had a chance to really talk about what state is facing, you know, because of the things that we've had to deal with. Of course, Coach Leach gets uh, sick and ultimately passes away. That's something that's still difficult to kind of wrap my mind around. I, I was talking to my wife about that this morning. It's like when we were in New Mexico on Christmas Eve, she mentioned Decide the Blue. She said, I can't believe Coach is gone. And I realized I hadn't really thought about that in a couple of days. That was the whole point going out there, just to kind of get away from all that for a while. But it's like the gravity of that is still kind of settling in with me. Now, the business of Mississippi State football, you know, can't be impeded. We've got to keep moving forward. So, Coach passes away. We promote Zach Arnett, and then we've got to get right into signing day. I don't think that your administration could have handled it any better. And, listen, I'm not a guy that, um, you know, pulls punches. 
I think we made the decision. We made the right decision. And now we got to make sure we make that decision right, right? We got to give the support to Zach Arnett that he deserves and the staff. And again, starting to get a little chatter about what to expect. And uh, we'll talk about some of that here on the show, but also uh, we'll have an update on Gene's page at some point uh, today uh, or tomorrow. But right now, the focus is the Illinois Fighting Illini. So this will be the third meeting in the history of these two programs. We touched on that, you know, way back in the beginning of, of uh, once the announcement came out. But in 1923, we went to Champaign, Illinois, and we lost 27 to nothing. I don't know if you guys remember that. I, I don't. You know, my parents weren't even uh, a twinkle in their parents' eye, right? But uh, obviously, you know, not a good day for Mississippi State football to go up there and get beat. And both of these matchups have been played in Champaign, Illinois. The 1923 Mississippi State Bulldogs went 5-2-2 two, and two that year. Some of you are struggling to remember that. But 5-2-2, two, and two, uh, State gets off to a 3-0 and o start. We lose to Ole Miss. We actually played them on October 20th. Uh, no, excuse me. We beat those guys 13-6. Of course we did. We lose Tennessee, Ty Vanderbilt. Uh, we beat Union. How about that? They were a non-major. That year we played Millsaps, uh, Wichita, and Union. And then uh, we take a pretty good team into Illinois, and we get shelled, and then we tie Florida, and we beat LSU to close out the season. So a 5-2-2 two two record that year, just the two losses, but one of those to Illinois. The Illinois that year were undefeated. They went 8-0 and that year. So this was not just, uh, you know, some – you know, ramshackle team. This is a team that was very, very good. No bowl games, obviously, back then. But uh, just to kind of put things in perspective, the Fighting Illini of 1923 allowed a grand total of 20 points and finished the year with five consecutive shutouts. Those guys were getting it done. And it wasn't like hey, they didn't play Millsaps. <laughs> they beat Nebraska, Iowa, Northwestern. I don't know who Chicago was back then. They beat Wisconsin, of course, us, and Ohio State. And they, they go into the horseshoe and beat the Buckeyes, not nothing. So a great year for Illinois, and uh, no shame in that loss because it was a good Mississippi State team. But we went on the road and lost to a better team. Now, in 1980, Mississippi State goes into Champaign. John Bond and the fellows go win the game 28-21. to You know that 1980 team for Mississippi State was a very, very good one? Uh, as you guys are well aware, you know, obviously the biggest win in school history, right? We beat number one Alabama. They won 27 consecutive games, but back-to-back national championships, if memory serves me correct. But in 1980, Mississippi State goes 9-3. and three. If I can get the numbers pulled up here. Sometimes it takes forever. Al Gore needs to get this stuff fixed. All right, so we open up with a 3-0 record. We lose at Florida 21-15 for our first loss. And then the next week... We go to, uh, to Illinois, and we beat those guys 28-21. And, again, I don't know how we ended up going there in back-to-back years, but we did. We ended up getting beat by Southern Miss the next week, 42-14. to Reggie Collier killed us. We go to Miami. We beat number 18, Hurricanes, 34-31. And then we close it out beating Auburn, Alabama, LSU, and Ole Miss. What a stretch that was there to close out the year because that was kind of like the Mississippi State experience. We would do well in the non-conference and maybe get a toss-up game, and the midway point of the season, we'd be in pretty good shape, and then we would just fade down a stretch. But this year, in 1980, with a freshman quarterback, 
Bulldogs close out the regular season, five consecutive wins over uh, either ranked or SEC opponents, and then we lose to number eight Nebraska in the Sun Bowl, 31-17. That Illinois team that we defeated that year, you know, not a great one. They went 3-7-1. Coach Mike White was was the, the, the leader of that program. So we have played one of the better teams in their school history, and we have played one of the worst teams in their school history. And we split those games. And that's your series history. Looks like we don't play them that often, right? So it's been, what, 42 years since we've played these guys? Not a lot of similarities from what football was like then and what it is today. So let's take a quick look at uh, kind of what Illinois looks like these days. There's, I mean, there's been some opt-outs, as you guys know, you know, now, Aaron Henry is going to be the defensive play caller. Of course, Ryan Walters is left to take the uh, head coaching position at Purdue. And congratulations to him. He was the guy that Mississippi State pursued when Mike Leach got the job here. And uh, Ryan Walters' name has come up a couple times in connection with Mississippi State. We weren't able to pull it off. But um, we got it done. So we got Zach Arnett, who ultimately became our head coach. But um, you know, Aaron Henry is going to be – you're calling the plays here. And what's interesting, too, is, um, you know, Ryan Walters took his guy with him. You know, he he took Corey Patterson with him. And everybody brings their right-arm guy, right? That's what everybody does when you get a job. You bring people like, you know, Dan Mullen brought John Havasey in, right? Jim Moorhead brought Charles Huff in. Mike, Mike Leach brought just about his entire staff in. You know, so – there's always that aspect of it. And so you think you're losing Ryan Walters and then Corey Patterson going uh, to Purdue. What does that do to play calling? What does that do to in-game adjustments? Well, you got to think that's an advantage for Mississippi State. One would certainly hope. We discussed, too, the, the opt-outs on yesterday. Devin Witherspoon was a Jim Thorpe finalist. Sidney Brown, uh, their top safety, who led the nation in interceptions. And then Chase Brown, who uh, led all Power 5 programs uh, as a running back this year. So they're finished. Absolutely finished. But, uh, again, what happens when you're facing an air raid? Because, listen, they run – Illinois runs a bare front more times than not. And a lot of that is a product of the fact that uh, in the Big Ten, that's what they see. You know, they, they don't see a lot of 10 personnel, which is what they're going to see with us. They're going to see a lot of two tights and that sort of stuff in the Big Ten. So, will they play a bare front? I guess we'll see. You know, that's the thing, too. Part of coaching is to put your opponent into an uncomfortable situation. Put them in a situation where they're, they're, not, they're, able to, they're forced to do something they're not comfortable doing. So we'll see what happens. And, again, there's still this talk about uh, Quan Martin, the, uh, their second-best safety, potentially opting out. I can't believe that he would do that at this late juncture, but there is still some, some discussion that he may. Taz Nicholson is another guy, too, that uh, has been very good for them, but uh, he is out for the game with a wrist injury, done for the season. But they're going to put some young guys out there. So we're going to have to challenge them, put them in conflict, and kind of make some things uh, you know, work for our advantage. We've got to be able to put them in decision-making processes that confuses them, that gets guys open. This is a tough offense to defend when you don't see it very often. And then you add in all this other stuff. You know, all the, the personnel changes, the coaching changes, and things like that. And, and it's just not an, it's not a great situation for Illinois. 
State's got to be able to take full advantage. Let's take a quick look at kind of what Illinois has done this year. Maybe you're familiar. I don't think I've watched them the entire year. But they open up with a win over Wyoming in Champaign, 38-6. They go on the road and lose a nail-biter at Indiana. Wasn't a great Indiana team either. But they lose 23-20. They then host Virginia and Keaton Thompson, beat those guys 24-3. They blast UT Chattanooga 31-0. They go to Wisconsin. Of course, Wisconsin made a coaching change. 34-10 winners there. They host Iowa and win at just absolute slugfest, 9-6. to six. How about that? <laughs> that was the hail to the orange out. And so at this point, you're thinking, man, Illinois is doing great. And they were. You know, at 5-1 and one on the season at that point? They beat Minnesota for homecoming. P.J. Fleck not having a good year. Probably the, the most important thing is he can go home to Heather Fleck every day. But 26-14 winners. And then Nebraska. They go to Nebraska, beat those guys. So now all of a sudden, man, you're 7-1. and one. Life is great. Got a chance to win your division, play in the Big Ten championship game. And things kind of fall apart. They lose to Michigan State 23-15. They lose to Purdue 31-24. And then they go to Michigan and lose 19-17. And that, listen, that was a great game. Of course, Michigan was number three in the country at the time. Highly anticipated game, and they close out the regular season with a win over Northwestern, uh, 41-3. So, you know, the hope is that we get the the Lion Eye of November. It's a 1-3 final month of the season, and that's when the team was at full strength. But every one of these games was competitive, at least the losses were. Yeah, of course, they absolutely blast Northwestern, but it wasn't a great year on that side of the Big Ten. But any time that you can go into the big house and be within a score in the fourth quarter – that's a major accomplishment, even if you don't pull it off. Not that we're looking for moral victories, but this is a very good Illinois team. I guess that's the point when you kind of break down a schedule and look at this. This is a team that is capable not only of beating Mississippi State, but kind of dictating the flow of the game. I think that's what State's got to do more so than anything else. You can't let them shorten the game on you, and that's what they're going to want to do. They're going to want to play good defense. They're going to want to run the football, limit your possessions, similar to what Kentucky did. We're going to find out what we learned In the Kentucky game, can't go out there and try to do too much. And I think at times we pressed against Kentucky thinking, man, the game is getting away from us from a time standpoint. We've got to have a sense of urgency. The next thing you know, you're putting a defense right back out there. And we wore down in the ballgame. They were running the football with great success. And we got to that fourth quarter. We just didn't have much left in the tank. Illinois will try to do the same thing. I just don't think they have a running back available near the caliber of Chris Rodriguez now that Chase Brown has opted out. Let's look. All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. 
Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You can side somebody's numbers here. All right, as a team, they're scoring 25.42 points a game. We discussed this yesterday. They're leading the nation in scoring defense at 12.25. We will score some points. If we only score 12 points, we're losing the game. All right, let's go ahead and tell you now. They've only allowed 147 points all year. But they're kind of built for the Big Ten. They haven't played anybody like us. We're going to really challenge that secondary. We've got to be able to protect the quarterback, but we should be able to challenge the secondary. They amassed 255 first downs on the year. 109 of those come on the ground. 126 of them through the air. They have not allowed a ton running the football, which maybe that's good for us, right? They've only allowed 178 first downs, most of those through the air. Over half, 89 of them. All right, rushing, they, as a team, they've run 2,139 yards. And you would think, based on the hype of this running game, which you've read and heard about over the last month, you'd think it would have been a bigger number than that. But Chase Brown, of course, you know, kind of the straw that stirs that drink. 
They've allowed 1,181 yards rushing. Uh, from a passing standpoint, pretty efficient here, and ball security is important. And that's kind of a Brett Belimus thing, too. You get the quarterback out there. They do do some boot action type stuff. You put the quarterback with simplified reads. You don't take a lot of chances. But uh, just five picks this year. The only quarterback to throw just five interceptions. So that would be huge if you can get your hands on the football. But uh, 252 completions and 361 attempts. And uh, average depth of target, under seven yards. Working the tight ends, working the backs, working some crossing routes, things of that nature, working off play action. We, we saw it at Arkansas. It's not like Brett has changed what he does. They've thrown his 15 touchdown passes. It's 2,500 yards, so basically a balanced offense, but it's all predicated by the run game. Total offense, they've scored 35 touchdowns, amassed 4,639 4, yards, averaging just under 387 yards a game. And again, a balanced team. So, we're, you know, we're not going to be able to sell out just to stop the run. The return game has been interesting. Really not much to speak of here as far as explosiveness here. But uh, they, haven't, they, they have allowed 25 kick returns. They've only had 12. Are we fair catching a lot? Or just, are there great kickers in the Big Ten? But... When you're allowing twice as many returns, not to mention you're outscoring, you're almost doubling up your opponents, what that tells me is you're not getting a lot of touchbacks, and we'll get that a little bit later. Punt return average for them, 6.52. They're allowing 8.5. Interceptions, again, uh, they have picked off 22 passes this year. They've thrown only five. And what's interesting about those five picks, zero return yards. I'd like to I'd like to get, dig deeper into that if I had some time. I don't today, but uh, 22 picks in the secondary, which is a big number, obviously. All right, punt average per game for them is 39.16. I don't even know who returns punts for us. You know, is Xavion going to play? We don't know yet. We don't know. I've asked a couple people; they're non-committal. Uh, field goal attempts, they're 20 of 24. Opponents are 17 of 22. They've attempted one onside kick on the year. They did not get it. Penalties this year, they're allowing 63.17 per game, 81 on the year. Opponents have only committed 58 penalties. So kind of middle of the road there. They, and, again, they're a balanced team, but they do like to run the football, but they're not dominating time of possession. Just 32.47 minutes per game. Third down conversions have been decent. 38.64%. They're allowing 29%. That state has got to win on third down on both sides of the football. Fourth down conversions, they have gone for it 25 times, made it nearly half a dozen of those times. Opponents have gone for it 19 times and only made it eight times. They have fumbled the football a lot, though. 18 fumbles, and they've lost 11 of those. They have forced just seven fumbles. Now, from a sack standpoint, they will get after the quarterback a little bit. 28 sacks, they've allowed just 21. They've only missed one extra point this year. Opponents have missed two. Red zone scoring. This is big here. This is a team, again, that likes to chew up the clock. They'd love to. But uh, when they get in the red zone, they ride that running game. So 50 attempts in the red zone, 80% scoring average, 23 of those scores have been touchdowns. So they haven't really finished drives. They've been able to move the ball well between the 20s. But less than half the time they've, they've entered the red zone, they've scored a touchdown. 
and that's big for us. So red zone scoring efficiency, not really a strong suit for them. Now, defensively, it's a little different, though. They've only allowed 27 trips into the red zone, and they've eliminated scores seven of those times, but only allowed just 10 touchdowns. So basically, one-third of the time when people drive into the red zone, they get a touchdown. Look at some individual numbers here. All right, Chase Brown, obviously the straw that stirs a drink. As a team, they ran for 2,139 yards. He had 1643. So less than 500 yards return on this roster. Reggie Love the third is the complimentary back. He had he totaled 276 yards on 59 carries this year. Tommy DeVito, 63 attempts for 70 yards. Clearly a short yardage guy in every aspect. And then like Tommy DeVito, he sounds like a Big Ten fullback, right? But this is a running game that is going to have to kind of do it by committee. And I don't think anybody involved in football would feel like, hey, this is a better situation. Tommy DeVito is a quarterback. What am I thinking? My mistake. I apologize. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's not a he's not a run for – you know, he's just not a guy that's going to run the football an awful lot here. Uh, when it's all said and done, he's got a long of 18. He has run for five touchdowns, but not a real running threat in many respects. I think you got to make him make that decision. There's just not a lot – there's not much to work with here. And they've had a couple guys, too, that have been a little bit banged up, like Josh McCray, uh, Chase Hayden. This is a running attack that's going it's, to – it's looking kind of peaked. Uh, Chase Hayden is a guy from St. George's High School there in Memphis, Tennessee. Maybe you're familiar with him. But he hadn't played since the Minnesota game. So you think about the fact Chase Brown is gone. Reggie Love, um, <laughs> you know, Reggie's a guy that, um, you know, has played a good bit. Is Reggie the guy? You know, from St. Louis, Missouri, a sophomore, big number 23, big, beefy, 5'11", 205 running back. But he has not been the focal point of the offense. So you start looking at this, you start you know working through the numbers here, and all of a sudden you begin to realize that there's just not much to this running game without Chase Brown. Josh McCray, a uh, guy they're excited about, hasn't played since the Michigan State game. And so really it boils down to Reggie Love. And you remember Reggie Love? You remember her? Susan Sarandon played her as that wonderful attorney in the client, the John Grisham thriller. I just hit me as I was doing that. Love that movie and love Susan Sarandon. Good, good, goodness gracious. All right, but, but you begin to look at these numbers and you begin to realize this running game is crippled in many respects by the fact that they were so reliant on Chase Brown and now they can no longer rely on him. And again, you do it by committee here. And you know, Reggie loves a guy averaging 4.7 yards a carry, but he only had 59 carries this year. You know, well, what, is it, what does it do you know, fatigue-wise over the course of a game when you don't have that guy that can lean on the defense, when you don't have that guy that can carry the mail for you? And I don't think they do. They're going to be without three of their, uh, you know, I guess three of their, their five most explosive runners. Maybe, that, you know, maybe, maybe you see it differently. I think that they're going to really struggle offensively against Mississippi State unless we have a bus somewhere. Got to be very, very careful with that. All right, Tommy DeVito, and again, I apologize. I was thinking about – I was visualizing a fullback with a, with a neck roll you know, like we had in the 80s. Tommy DeVito, uh, 
234 completions and 335 attempts, just the four picks, 15 touchdowns, averaging just under 200 yards a game. Very efficient in what he does. High completion percentage, doesn't turn the football over. Arthur Sitkowski has played a little bit, kind of in a reserve role, 18 to 25, on the one pick. And also high completion percentage of 72%. They're going to do a lot of stuff just to move the chains. They're not going to make a lot of explosive passing plays here. That's not what they're going to do. They're going to come out there and try to be a ball control offense. Wide receivers, Isaiah Williams, the leading receiver for them in, in every aspect, 72 catches for 595 yards this year. He is a sophomore wide receiver, a slot guy from St. Louis, Missouri, out of Trinity Catholic. He's not really had uh, you know that big you know, breakout game in many respects. You sit here and look at these numbers. Sometimes you look at numbers and they just make them hard to find. Big game for him was against Indiana, nine for 112. He's had two games where he's gone over 100 yards. Over the course of the last four ball games during the losing streak there, he had a big game against Michigan State with a couple touchdowns. But Purdue limited him to three catches for 16 yards, Michigan five for 26, and Northwestern three for 16. And that's a game they won handily. So something has happened. Maybe it's about film. Maybe it's about an injury. Don't know. But Isaiah Williams has been the main threat in the passing game. Uh, Pat Bryant has 34 catches, 453 yards, and uh, two touchdowns. You know, Pat's a guy, too, that, um, again, these websites just drive me crazy sometimes. Just make it easy. Like when I click on a button, just like open, Right. Uh, Pat Bryant is out of uh, Atlantic Coast High School, Jacksonville, Florida. He is an ex-receiver at 6'3", 195. Uh, Kind of a bit of a mismatch guy there. But uh, I think, you know, we can certainly run with those guys. We've got long and lean corners too. But outside of Isaiah Williams, it's kind of back committee here. They've only had three receivers have 30 or more catches this year. And, again, a lot of that is just a product of the offense. A lot of the average – Catch, like you look at Isaiah Williams, he's averaging 8.26 yards per catch. That's your leading receiver. So not a lot of, you know, run after the catch here with these guys. Uh, Chase Brown, of course, 27 catches for them. Those are gone. It's just going to be interesting to see how they, how they scheme up this offense without Chase Brown. What do you ask this offense to do? And, you know, if you read that message boards, they're all very concerned about it, as anybody would be. You know, you, you lose the top – you lose a Big Ten, all Big Ten guy, a guy that uh, leads the Power Five in rushing. You don't get better as a team. There's really no chance of that happening. All right, defensively here, I, I love this name. I absolutely love this name. I mean, this is a guy – that was born to play linebacker, and of course he's he's from Detroit, Michigan. It's Isaac Darkangelo. I don't know that I've ever known a Darkangelo in my life. Because like you first look at it, it's like Dark Angel. Well, of course he's a linebacker, right? You know, leads a team with sixty-six tackles. Now we of course we've got a couple that's over a hundred. And you feel like too this is kind of a product of the system and product of the fact that you play in the Big Ten. But uh, sixty-six tackles. For him, uh, Sidney Brown, 59. Quan Martin, we've talked about him extensively. Um, 
chance he may opt out too. Sidney Brown, the second leading tackler, opted out for the game. Quan Martin, and even as late as today, there are still some chatter that he may not play in the ball game. He is your second best safety. And so what would that mean? All of a sudden you lose, you know, two of your three leading tacklers and both of those guys being safeties that were walk-up safeties that you know, played the box. It could be interesting. It could be very interesting from a communication standpoint. The top defensive line prospect for them is uh, Jervon Newton, a 6'2", 295 defensive tackle out of St. Petersburg, Florida. And look at, uh, you believe in them, guys going down there to Florida getting those guys. But uh, very productive guy, 14 TFLs, five and a half sacks, which uh, leads the team. Uh, Keith Randolph Jr. has four and a half. He and Seth Coleman are tied for second. Uh, Randolph, a 6'5", 305-pound uh, defensive lineman. Seth Coleman, a 6'5", 240-pound outside backer. They like to move him around a little bit. But this is a group, obviously, that has put some big numbers together, been exceptionally stingy. We talk about how good Devin Weatherspoon is. You know, that's 14 pass breakups and three picks. 41 tackles. And again, this Quan, this, this Quan Martin thing just is so interesting to me. That, that I mean, they're already, there, no, they're already there in Florida. They already traveled. And they're still talking. He may not play in the game. And I'll, I'll tell you this. I'll be honest with you. I'll just call it as I see it. If that's the case, it's a very selfish decision. I mean, it really is. Now, maybe he's communicated to them that he's not going to play or that he is going to play. You know, there's always this need and, and desire to know. So maybe that's already been settled. But I would feel like if he just all of a sudden arbitrarily opted out after bowl prep and all that kind of stuff, that, you know, that's not good. But, again, maybe he's told them that and they've been able to adjust. But uh, that's something to watch. His real name is Jartavius Martin. They call him Quan. And a lot of people expect him to get drafted this year. So all of a sudden you lose him. You have three starters of your secondary out for this ball game against the air raid offense. It would be awfully interesting. With or without him, I think we're going to win the ball game. But that could be one of those situations, too, where we talk about communication in the secondary. That could be an absolute disaster. Okay, my long-distant uh, cousin, Hugh Robertson, and yeah, you can save your jokes. Uh, he is from Melbourne, Australia. Has had some big numbers in some games. In other games, he hasn't. Been kind of inconsistent at times. But uh, Hugh, 55 punts this year, averaging, again, 39.16 yards a punt. And a lot of that, too, is uh, you know the rugby-style punt, right? That big rolling punt. He's only had four touchbacks, but 23 fair catches this year. So, but ne- nearly half. He's had 16 inside the 20 and eight of 50-plus yards, which tells me that when they get across the 50, they're not guaranteed to go for it. They may just kind of pin you back and play defense. And when you've got a defense as good as theirs, it often makes sense. You can play field position. Okay, Caleb Griffin is the primary field goal kicker. But they have two that have had pretty good years. Caleb Griffin, 13 of 17. Uh, he has been really good under 40. 9 of 10 under 40, and then 4 of 6 and 40 to 49, and missed his one long attempt of 50-plus. His longest year is 48. Fabrizio Penton, I love the name. You know he's played soccer at some point in his life. He's 7 for 7 uh, on the kicks this year, and everything with him is under 40. So you may see two. All right, kickoffs, and this is where stuff gets interesting. They've had three different guys kick off this year. Now, Caleb Griffin 
handles the, the field goal kicking, most of it, and the kickoffs. He has 48, 48 kicks. 17 of those were not touchbacks. So 31 of 48 touchbacks. Will McManus, when he has kicked off, 15 attempts, zero touchbacks. And then Fabrizio Penton, three attempts, zero touchbacks. So Caleb Griffin obviously is their best opportunity to neutralize Tulu Griffin. But will Will McManus get the kick some? You know, it's just it's going to be interesting to see how this all kind of plays out because it's not a situation where Caleb Griffin was hurt and didn't get to play. You know, like in the Northwestern game, he had eight kickoff attempts and seven of those were touchbacks. So it may be a situational thing. Who knows? Or maybe they're just grooming a younger kicker. Maybe we see Caleb Griffin the entire time. But not every game has been like that. And how much wind is there going to be in Tampa, Florida? Because there have been some games when McManus has kicked off and not gotten any touchbacks. That's going to be a big part of things. The way that Tula Griffin is playing, you've got an opportunity here to kind of steal some yards within the game. So we'll watch it and see. But, you know, Tulu always seems to rise to the moment um, in situations such as this. When they give him an opportunity, he will make you play for it. Real quickly here, we talked about, you know, points and that kind of stuff. Guys, Chase Brown scored 78 points this year. Led them with 13 touchdowns. They only scored 35 as a team. He had 13 of them. The thing, I I mean, I'm I'm about to talk myself into thinking that we're going to win this game by a couple scores. And maybe you're with me. And I don't just think it's because of uh, Mike Leach. I think when you begin to look at the matchups and the fact that they have built their offense so much around Chase Brown, now you remove that, and now you've got to have role players step up and be the guy, it's going to be difficult to do. There's not that security blanket that you once had. All right, time for today's top 10 list is always brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. Let me give you Blair's phone number before we get started. It's between us girls here. 601-500-2344. 601-500-2344. We've had some Boneyard listeners that have had some success with Blair Chandler. That should come as no surprise. Blair is your friend in the mortgage industry. Blair is the guy that gets things done. 21 years in the industry. I tell you, anybody that stays in any industry 20 years is a professional. Right? I mean, that is a competitive market. And so you get a guy out there that is top 1% close ratio in the country. You want that guy working for you. You do. Blair is the kind of guy, too, that understands there is a relationship here. It's not just a single serving type thing. You may want to get refinanced down the road. You may want to get a second mortgage. You may move. It's nice to know that you've got a mortgage professional at your disposal. Visit him at closewithblair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R. Find out more about the services he offers. He works for Fairway Mortgage, one of the more reputable mortgage lenders in America these days. And if you mention to Blair you heard about him on the boneyard, he'll pay for your appraisal. That's a $500 value. A lot of fees associated with getting a mortgage approved these days. Blair will be your advocate in underwriting too. He'll go out there and fight for you. He will. And again, at 601-500-2344. Okay, today's uh, top 10 list comes to you as a request from my oldest son, Annie Robertson. And that's O-N-I, Annie Robertson. Ani is, uh, you know, kind of the the thinker. And so he comes up, Daddy, I love the new Hardy album, The Mockingbird and the Crow. Of course, it's a a hat tip to our wonderful home state of Mississippi. 
But he says, listen, I don't want any Hardy songs on here, though. I like the concept of Hardy kind of showing his rock side and his country side. Let's do a Mockingbird and a Crow list. Number one, promote Hardy in the new album. We're happy to do that. I love Hardy. I do. Matter of fact, I'm going to listen to that album uh, on my drive today. Absolutely love the, the song Mockingbird and the Crow. I, I do. I, I love the concept. I think it's very interesting. But he goes, what about other artists that have uh, had hits in multiple genres? Got me to thinking. So we traded back and forth. We In our fam chat, we uh, discussed some uh, names, much to the point that my daughter Mia is like, hey, can y'all take this to DM? You know, well, no, we can't. We could, but we won't. But we came up with a pretty good list here. Ten albums or ten artists that have had hits in multiple genres. Some of these are country. Some of these are rock, rap, whatever. But I like people that expand their horizons a little bit. It's a little bit like the Blooms of Oleander book for me. And many of you got that for Christmas, and thank you for that. Wasn't very expensive. Probably a stock and stuffer. Glad, glad that you bought it. My heart is in that. I'm not going to lie to you. Um... But I thought it's an interesting concept. So we're going to knock this out. Roy kind of felt the same way I did. He's like, hey, what's up with this? All right, so here we go. Number 10. Now, before we get into this, let me tell you, there's a band called Wayland out of Nashville that I really liked. Welcome to My Head was a big hit for them. And so I was in Nashville, and I said, hey, I'm going I'm to catch a show. And I looked around at who's playing in Nashville. And it was like 99% country artist, as you would expect. I thought, surely there's a rock show in Nashville. And I saw Waylon was playing. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go, I'll go see Waylon play. That'll be great. And so I said, let me dig up their new, their new stuff and kind of get familiar. And they have switched to country. Matter of fact, on their drum head, it says, Waylon, this is real country. That is not me. All right, but number 10, and this guy's somewhat controversial. He's also uh, gets to go home to Megan Fox every day. I don't think we should hate. It's good work if you can get it. But it's Machine Gun Kelly, who played Tommy Lee in the Netflix Molly Crew documentary or docuseries or whatever you'd like to call it, The Dirt. I love Machine Gun Kelly's song with Lizzie Hale. And, and I know many of you, I've had so many people that have reached out over bands that they have loved and learned about on the show. And Lizzie Hale and Hailstorm probably is one that I get the most messages about. She is an incredible vocalist. Absolutely incredible. They teamed up on a great song called Spotlight, and uh, I think it's amazing. That's your number 10 song, Machine Gun Kelly, Spotlight. Now, he's no longer just a rapper playing a lot more kind of alternative rock and has recently run, won some awards with all that. All right, number nine on your list is uh, Yellow Wolf. I like Yellow Wolf. And Yellow Wolf had did, kind of came up as a southern rapper, and now they're doing more rock stuff. You kind of saw that direction in some of his music late. I mean, I know many of you guys like the Papa Trunk stuff and the Trunk music albums. Uh, I, I go back to uh, Love Story. That's probably the album that kind of pulled me in. So we're going to go with a track off that album. It's Till It's Gone from Yellow Wolf, number nine on your list. Number eight, probably one of the rockers that uh, has done a little bit of everything. He's done some rap. He's done some rock. He's done some country type stuff. Had some major hits. He's a very controversial figure in many people's eyes because of his politics. I don't judge people, musicians, on their politics. I judge them on the quality of their work. I don't. Let me just make this abundantly clear. I don't care who you vote for at all. I don't like it at all. But it's Kid Rocks. 
First Kiss. I, I could have gone with Only God Knows Why, but we've done that before. But Kid Rock's First Kiss reminds me of being back home in South Mississippi. It reminds me of my friends from back home. All right, number seven, Aaron Lewis was a guy that built a name as a rock singer and then put out a string of country albums and is reunited with the band Stained. Very talented guy. He can pull it off on both fronts. But we're going with the, the song that kind of started it all for Stained, and it's the great song Mud Shovel. Mud Shovel. Number six, we talked about Motley earlier in the show. Machine Gun Kelly played Tommy Lee. Tommy Lee is a little bit different, right? Tommy Lee is a guy that has done things, pardon the pun, to the beat of his own drum. But Tommy Lee, for a while, put Motley on hold, and he put together the Methods of Mayhem and was kind of doing some rap stuff. And uh, we're going to go, in honor of that, we're going to go with the great song, Get Naked, had Pamela Lee in the video. Uh, Methods of Mayhem was a hit in some respects, but um, it was basically a side project with Tommy, and it, it basically put off the reunion for a while because he was so committed to Methods of Mayhem. But Get Naked is your number six song. Number five, Mike Shinoda from Lincoln Park. This is a guy, too, ultra-talented, Plays a handful of instruments, can play guitar, can play bass, can play keyboards, can sing. Did the rapping stuff with Linkin Park. I jammed a bunch of Linkin Park on the way home from uh, from New Mexico. And uh, Mike Shinoda had a side project, a group called Fort Minor, that would really kind of specialize on the rap side. And uh, we're going to go with Remember the Name from Fort Minor, number five. I love the keys on this. I love the deep bass. It's a great track. I think you'll dig it. It was everywhere for a while. You couldn't go to a high school football game without hearing remember the name. Number four, a band that kind of thrust themselves into the national spotlight during my high school years, because I'm from the 1900s. Graduated in 1990 from Columbia High School, which is the best class to ever come through there, right? It is. It is. But the BC Boys kind of reinvented themselves in the 2000s and became more of an alternative rock band. And every so often, they'll throw something out there. It's a little bit different. Of course, the band no longer whole, you know, sadly. But we're going to go with BC Boys Sabotage. I remember when they appeared on the Video Music Awards, and they're playing their own instruments, and you're like, what is happening with the BC Boys? And then it was incredible. Sabotage, number four on your list. Number three. Now, this lady here, number one, ultra-talented, incredibly beautiful, and very down-to-earth. I have met, I know multiple people that have met her, and they say that she is not at all what you would expect her to be. She is very, 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 very down to earth, despite her incredible success as an artist. But it's Shania Twain. And a lot of people in country music didn't like her being labeled as country. And I don't know why you worry about that kind of stuff. I don't. Just enjoy the art for what it is. And if you don't like it, don't listen to it. Like, I don't like Nirvana, so you know what? I don't listen to Nirvana. I get on this show, and I'll tell you, I think that they're the most overrated band in the history of America. But I don't listen to it. I don't force myself to listen to it. So if you don't like Shania Twain, don't listen to her. But I tell you what, when she hit the scene with uh, Any Man of Mine, that was very much a country song. And then she, you know, hooked up with Mutt Lang. They eventually got married, and her music became more pop. But she had her country roots, even though she is a Canadian. But we're going to go with that great song, Feels Like a Woman. You know, and, and she recently performed that, I guess, at the Grammys or whatever it was. But um, I like Shania Twain. 
Uh, I think that uh, she is a a lady that has done a lot to empower other women. I think she is a, a lady that um, is very, very committed to her causes. She has been very generous with her money. There are a lot of superstars out there that are not. And I think she's a person you can look up to. Whether you like the fact that she used a bass track rather than a steel guitar on her breakthrough albums, that's okay. Number two, and these last two bands, you could flip a coin and probably make a decision here. Now, these bands were true to themselves, but they had multiple songwriters within the bands. And I guess depending on who won the argument, kind of determined the direction of, of certain albums. Number two, we're going with Leonard Skinner. Leonard did some country stuff. They did some rock stuff. They did some blended stuff. And towards the end of their career, they were very much headed in the country direction, kind of an outlaw country direction. But we're going to go with one of my favorite Leonard Skinner songs of all time. It's the Saturday Night Special, Mr. Saturday Night Special. I love the guitar on this. I'm a huge Alan Collins fan. I've got an Alan Collins shirt. I wear it with pride. Very, very sad story. We've talked about that on the show before. We did a top 10 for Alan Collins here a little while back. But Leonard Skinner, you know, the three lead guitars, Gary Rossington, what a phenomenal player he is. And there are just some people you put a guitar in their hands and it sounds different. And that's the case for Gary Rossington. I love Leonard Skinner. Number one for me, though. And again, it boiled down to who won the argument in the songwriting sessions. I think the better songs for the Eagles were written by Glenn Fry, but you know, Don Henley wrote some great songs. Joe Walsh wrote some great songs. When Joe Walsh joined that band, things changed. Just did. Things changed when Joe Walsh joined the Eagles. But again, I think Glenn Fry probably writes the more memorable songs. It's my honest opinion. I think Joe brought a bit of an edge to the Eagles. Because, like, you can go out there and listen to Hotel California, um, and then you go listen to Lion Eyes, and you don't even realize it's the same band. But it is. It is. It is the same band. Life in the Fast Lane. Not at all like many of the other songs in the catalog. I like bands that have some diversity in what they do. I think it also, I think it's good for band chemistry that everybody feels that, you know, an opportunity to contribute. But we're going to go with one of the probably more underappreciated classics in their catalog. And it's the Seven Bridges Road. Opens up that amazing acapella. It's a little more country than most. I love the Eagles. Uh, Mike Leach loved the Eagles. You love the Eagles. Some people will argue with you that the Eagles may be America's best rock band of all time. I disagree. I believe it's Aerosmith, but I would probably go with Eagles number two. And again, a lot of it's because of the diversity in the songwriting process. But uh, again, I think Lion Eyes is one of the great best songs ever written in the United States of America. Ain't it funny how your new life didn't change things? You're still the same old girl you used to be. Yeah, it's my man. Whew. That's big. That's solid. It's real. That's your top 10 list for today. Again, the Mockingbird and the Crow. If you haven't listened to the new Hardy album, let me encourage you to go download it. That title track is phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Talks about being from Mississippi. I love people to take pride in Mississippi. I do. I, I take pride in being from Mississippi. That doesn't mean that I'm going to go root for Ole Miss. Not, that's not going to happen. But I do take pride in people that, that appreciate our values here 
and appreciate the fact that, um, yeah, people are just a little bit different here. And I'll tell you this, the more I travel, and I've talked about this in recent days, you know, being out in New Mexico, and uh, I'm not going to rail on New Mexico again, but I'll tell you, the more that I travel, the more that I appreciate being from the South, the more I appreciate being from Mississippi, the more I appreciate going to Walmart and have people speak to me or have people hold doors for me or people say, excuse me, or, hey, how are you doing? You know, there is just a little something different about being from the South. And I think, you know, some of it is that we wear it like a badge of honor, but I think some of it too is there is a community here. There is a sense of community in the South that is different than you go other places. And people are always like, ah, oh, you know, Steve, man, in Mexico is great. Well, okay. Maybe my opinion is jaded because my better half is still out there, right? Um, but Albuquerque is a beautiful place. But the people there are just a little bit different. And not to say better or worse. I prefer what we have. But it's just different. It's different to walk around and then, like, nobody ever speak to you, right? Now, granted, obviously, I'm very recognizable in Starkville, Mississippi. But before I was... You know, what wasn't uncommon to see somebody, hey, how you doing? You remember being a kid and, like, everybody you passed on a two-lane highway waved? Everybody, or they'd point the finger up, you know, the, the, the index finger, not the middle finger. They'd, they'd pass you like, hey, how's it going? It happened all the time. It's just something that's ingrained in our culture, right? And that's not to say that everything in our culture in the South is positive. I'm not trying to suggest that. But there is just this hospitality in the South that it's just not – in existence in other places. I prefer it. You know, I can't count how many times I get ready to walk in some place and they'll open the door for me and my family. You know, I mean, it's just, you know. And so when I'm out there in New Mexico and places like that, I, I try to represent Mississippi, right? I try to go out there and hold doors for people and speak to them. Hey, how are you doing? Good. How are you guys doing? You know, uh, just, you know, not trying to be charming or make new friends, but just, you know, simply maybe those people just haven't been exposed to that level of hospitality. So, I'm trying to be an ambassador for the Magnolia State everywhere I go. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart. I love Campus Bookmart. You love Campus Bookmart. Chances are you already have a longstanding relationship with them. If you don't, you should. The bully shop has been completely renovated. It's all upstairs now. They're no longer in a textbook business, which has enabled them to expand their selection of Mississippi State merchandise to the greatest selection of merchandise anywhere in the country. If you're looking for a Christmas present for yourself, maybe, maybe you couldn't come through. Maybe you couldn't get that state sweatshirt that you really wanted. Now you can. Take care of it yourself. Maybe they couldn't find it. Maybe they didn't put forth the effort. Maybe they don't love you as much as I do. But maybe it's time you love yourself. Treat yourself to that Mike Leach sweatshirt. You'll be glad you did. And again, I I think it's about paying tribute to Mike Leach. I think everybody should have one of those. I may go buy one on my way out of town. Visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. And that is BSR, which gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bucks, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's campusbookmart.net. Let's take a few minutes and talk a little basketball. We kind of broke down where we are and what we've done uh, here as of late. Kind of a reminder here of kind of what's going on. And uh, I know many of you, it's like, I know a lot of people don't look at the schedule. You just kind of get on Twitter and ask people. We've become very reliant on each other in that respect to kind of give people an opportunity. I want to tell you this, too. I, I get probably a message, at least a message a day 
about where to go back and watch the Mike Leach Memorial, you can watch that on demand on the ESPN app. You can go find that. <clears throat> okay, men's basketball 11-1. and one. I'm going to reiterate again. Tomorrow night, Humphrey Coliseum, number eight, Alabama, will visit Mississippi State. We are still on Christmas break, but everybody that can make it, please do. Please turn out to the hump. Give these guys an opportunity uh, to have a hostile home environment. This Alabama team, exceptionally good. Nate Oates done a great job there. Alabama 10-2 and two on the season. 6-0 and oh at home, 2-0 and oh away uh, from Coleman Coliseum, and then 2-2 two and two on a neutral floor. So true road environments, they have still done very well. But, uh, you know, look at the schedule here. You know, the non-conference schedule, really not a lot to, to look at and kind of you know, say, hey, this has been outstanding, at least in the early part of the schedule. But once they got into that Phil Knight Invitational out in Portland, Oregon, you talk about some outstanding basketball. They beat Michigan State, who was ranked 12th at the time. They lose to UConn by 15, and then they come back two days later and they upset number one North Carolina in four overtimes. What a classic game. 103-101, Alabama wins it. And everybody knew at that point these guys are for real. Then they take down South Dakota State and then travel to the new number one, Houston, and they beat them in their own gym, 71-65. They host Memphis. They win there. They lose to Gonzaga in Birmingham. I'm not, I'm not a big Gonzaga fan either. They blast Jackson State, a team that gave us some trouble, on Tuesday, 84-64. So this is an outstanding Alabama basketball team. They've got a couple losses you look at and kind of say, ah, that's interesting. But this team can play. You get two wins over number one, and you haven't even started conference play yet. Says a lot about this team. They're gonna, they're gonna come in here. They're gonna bring some fans, and they're gonna be excited. And our folks have got to be able to get after it. Uh, Brandon Miller, an outstanding player, leading the team with thirty-three point eight minutes played, scoring nineteen point three points a game. 10 blocks, too. Uh, Mark Sears, 14 points. Just you know, just two players averaging double figures. But, guys, they're scoring 84 points a game. A lot of depth on this team. They rotate a lot. And, as always, they're deadly from the perimeter. Absolutely deadly from the perimeter. We're going to have to get out and defend the perimeter. That's one of the things that Ben Howen struggled with at times. But other times we would kind of rise to the occasion against Alabama, at least make those games competitive. And occasionally we'd win one. But this is a very good Alabama team, and uh, your Bulldogs need your support. This is a time for family. It's a time to kind of get out and make some things happen. Pack the car, bring your kids to the game, make some memories. What would it mean to Mississippi State to win this game? We're going to have to play exceptional defense. We're going to need we're going to need Cam to have a big game. Cam's got to get in there and stay out of foul trouble. Alabama's allowing 72 points a game. Outscoring opponents by 11. 11.6. It's a scoring margin. So double-digit wins. And again, the quality of competition after that first month of the season has been outstanding. So please turn out come to the ballgame. I encourage you. I beg of you. I won't be there, so I'm not, I'm not trying to be a hypocrite. I'm going to be with my family. And um, But if you can be there, Please be there. 
We touched on this a little bit yesterday, but I mean, of course, Mississippi State women, they will open the SEC uh, schedule on Thursday on the road in Nashville. So you get men's basketball Wednesday night and then women on Thursday. That'll be an SEC Network Plus broadcast. You have to watch it on your, uh, on your app. But Mississippi State has won eight. Is this right? We're, we're 23 and 36, but we have won, what, eight in a row? Yeah, we've won eight in a row against uh, Vanderbilt. So let's, hopefully we can extend that lead. We are 15-11 all-time at home, but 4-19 and 19 in Nashville. So it would be, you know, it, it's been somewhat of a rarity, but we've won those four games here in, uh, in recent years. Last match, we're 9-10 in the last 10 matchups against Vanderbilt. And I appreciate uh, media relations kind of putting this together for us, making it easy for us to do this. Uh, for sure. But uh, last meeting was January 9th of 2022. And we were 70-63 winners in Starkville. And our last trip to Vanderbilt was back in 2020. We win that game 68-52. Of course, we're all mired in the middle of uh, the craziness that was uh, COVID later that year. You know, that all popped up. Uh, I remember the SEC tournament got canceled. So we were just, at that point, in the infancy of hearing about this uh, global pandemic that was uh, beginning to kind of bubble up in, uh, in China. But, yeah, we have won, it looks like, our last three meetings in Nashville against them. But they have all been, um, you know, SEC quality games with rare exception. Back in 18, when State was just a dominant force, we beat them 95 to 50. But we got to get out there and go play. And so if you're in the greater Nashville area, I encourage you to get out go buy some tickets. I'm sure there'll be plenty available. Hopefully there's not many available for uh, Mississippi State and Alabama. I know many people have been hitting me up trying to get lower bowl tickets uh, to that bowl game, that ball game um, for Alabama. But, uh, again, any chance you get to turn out and be a part of this, it's outstanding. And reminder, New Year's Day in the hump, the first SEC game of the year in Humphrey Coliseum for the women, you got Ole Miss. And you know what that means. Coach Yo will be there. She's an excellent coach. Uh, they had an excellent team last year. And uh, things didn't work out in the postseason the way they had hoped. But my honest opinion is, is that the pendulum, pendulum excuse me, had kind of swung their direction for just a little bit as we kind of lost our footing on the women's side. And I think now with Sam and this staff, things are swinging back in our direction. Ole Miss 11-2 in the non-conference. They open up the year on a six-game winning streak. Not really any competition of note. I guess that first game was an exhibition. They go down to the Bahamas. They beat Dayton. And then they lose to Utah, who was 17th in the country at the time. It's a very competitive game. They lose by two. The next-ranked opponent they play was Oklahoma. They lose in Norman 69-59. And so those are your two losses. So the only two losses the Lady Rebels have were against top 20 opponents. So, again, we're going to need you to turn out and be a part of this and be excited. They're going to play Auburn on Thursday in Oxford and then turn around and head to Starkville on Sunday. So, again, we're going to need your support. The ladies need your support. It's a huge game for us in the early non-conference. Not to mention, you can find a way to win that game at Vanderbilt, and you should, and you get all Miss a team that we do expect to make the tournament. And so all of a sudden you have a 2-0 start in SEC play, and the men's side is a little more difficult. We get Alabama and we got to go to Knoxville. But this would be a great start, 
uh, for Coach Sam Purcell's uh, ladies. And uh, offensively, they have been much better here as of late. So we're going to have to bring a very, very consistent effort. Very, very consistent effort in this ballgame. So, again, if you're going to be in the greater Starkville area, let me encourage you, make sure you buy some tickets and come to the game. Make sure you come be a part of that. You'll be glad you did. The kids will enjoy it. Should be a good game for us, but that's a huge game. New Year's Day in Humphrey Coliseum against Ole Miss. I can't overstate enough the importance of our fans being there and being a part of that. Final segment of the show brought to you by Portico. I've told you guys before, if I was moving to Starkville, I would move to Portico. I'd love to be that close to campus, but it's close enough for convenience, far enough away for some privacy. 1.1 miles away from all things maroon. You turn off 82 on a 12, take that very first right on Pat Station Road, go through the four-way stop, there's Portico on your right. Give yourself a self-guided tour whenever you come to town. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home, go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home, and really do anything in between. Phase one's completely sold out. Phase two, under development now, many of those homes are sold, but there are some available. If you'd like to have a say in picking out your lot in your house plan, and probably everybody deserves to do that at least once, right? You can do that too. Hit up our friend Brooks Bryan at 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. And let Brooks know, hey, I'm ready to be a part of this. I'm ready to be a part of the Portico family. I'd love to be that close to campus. My friends and neighbors, everybody can come and congregate with us. Got that great walking track out there. It's just, it's a great place to be. You'll be glad that you've been a a resident of Portico. I encourage you, as always, go by and check it out yourself. You'll be glad you did. Make Portico your next move. All right, so I posted an update yesterday on Gene's page about some things I was hearing about the AD search. And again, we expect that to wrap up here probably in the next 10 days. And I'm not going to be critical of anybody because there's been some unique circumstances. But I wish we had already had this done. I, I do. I wish this was already behind us. I'm sure Dr. Mark Keenum feels the same way. I wish we already had this done. And nobody knew what we were facing when we faced it. But I think this we probably could have got this done in about two weeks. I mean, honestly. And I, I think, honestly, I think after the last search, you know, the, the leagues surrounding the last search – I think they wanted to be more deliberate and be private with this to kind of ensure that the, the integrity of the search was protected. So that probably explains maybe the deliberate nature of all of this stuff. Mark Keenum obviously knows politics, knows how the world works. Uh, but I really wish we had done it, especially if we ended up hiring Jared Banco anyway. Uh, probably wish we'd have done that, you know, a couple weeks ago. Right. Um, but again, we're hearing some things out there. You know, there's talk that Alford is kind of back in the mix, you know, from Florida State. Of course, John David Wicker's still in it. Uh, hearing that uh, you know, Laird Veach uh, from uh, Memphis is fading a bit, you know, so you hear some different things, but there are going to be some in person interviews here within uh, after the bowl game. So after the new year, and then you know, we'll start wrapping this thing up. But uh, I'm ready to remove it as a topic of conversation. But my biggest concern is is we have got to get everybody on the same page when it comes to fundraising. What goes to the foundation? What goes to the Bulldog Club? What goes to NIL? Especially this time of year. It's end of year. People are making donations. And, you know, obviously tax-deductible donations are a big part of life for many people. Uh, but we've got to get everybody on the same page. And I think the way to do that is you have to bring in a very dynamic athletic director. Uh, no matter who that person is, no matter what their background is, we've got to get everybody on the same page. That is probably the biggest challenge facing Mississippi State today. 
and and I've shared this probably in passing at times on the show about the importance of NIL. And anytime I mention that, I know some people, their eyes roll. Okay, forget the player aspect of it for a second. Let's just kind of put that aside for a second. Forget the, uh, the jersey sales and all that kind of stuff. Let's say Mississippi State and another school are both courting a new head football coach, you know, I don't know, five years from now. Hopefully, uh, Zach Arnett is still here and doing exceptionally well. So I'm not in any way uh, suggesting that, that Zach won't be here. I'm just speaking hypothetically here. Let's say it's us and I don't know Oklahoma State, right? And we're both courting the same candidate. And they have $15 million in NIL and we have $5 million. Where do you think the guy's going to go? He's going to go there. And so we can't all sit around and wait for Richard Ackerson or, you know, Mickey Holloman or somebody to write on the check. It's our responsibility to be a part of this. It is. Every one of us. We all have a debt to pay in many respects. And some people can pay more than others. Some can barely pay anything at all. And in no way am I trying to make anybody feel guilty about it. There are many people that love Mississippi State as much as anybody that just can't give financially the way they'd like to. There's a lot of those people. I'm not being critical of them, but I'm telling you, we have got to get a program together and get some fundraising events together and not just a rock show at a club downtown. We got to do some bigger and better things to raise money for NIL to put our administration and our university in a more competitive situation when it comes to hiring coaches. I I talk to people around the country and they say one of the very first things that uh, coaches ask these days is what do you guys have in NIL? We got to get it done. All right. So some other changes. I, I do expect some uh, some coaching changes, mainly on the offensive side of the football. Um, and so probably, maybe maybe the thing I'm most comfortable with today, if I were a betting man, and I'm not, but if I were, I would bet that Matt Brock is going to be your defensive coordinator. Now, of course, it'll be Zach Arnett's defense, but Zach and Matt very very close. But Matt Brock, also an excellent football coach, very intelligent, a guy that understands the expectations of Zach Garnett. They have worked together hand-in-hand. You know, they were both position coaches for a while, right? When uh, Brock had the Sams and Arnett had the rest of the backers. And so they, they know what to expect from each other. I think it's important to understand that. But I think Matt Brock is a future head coach. I think Matt Brock is going to be your defensive coordinator when it's all said and done. I expect that to be the case. And I think that that would probably, I think most of you probably expect that too. Now, on the offensive side of the football, I continue to hear we are going to run air raid concepts. It may not be the quote leech air raid, but we're going to modernize things and run the football a little bit more. And so I will make sure that uh, I share things as I get them. But I do believe you're going to see some changes on the offensive side of the football. Um, what that ends up being is probably something we'll find out later. I think once we get to the ball game, uh, but I, I, I'm confident in saying today that there will be changes on the offensive side of the football. I don't anticipate a lot on the defensive side of the football. Now I've heard Dave Turner's name mentioned outside of Mississippi state circles. David Turner, of course, has been here what three times now came here under Croom, was here under Dan, came back under Dan, joined Dan at Florida Reunited with Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech. Uh, Dave Turner, in the event that there is an opening at defensive line, and I don't know that there will be. I'm not trying to forecast that. But I, I can promise you Dave Turner is probably the first name that we call. Now, the last I had heard 
is that uh, Brent Key, the new coach at Georgia Tech, is doing all he can to try to retain David Turner. So if you hear that in the coming days, Dave Turner uh, has accepted the job or has accepted a position on that staff, uh, that should come as no surprise. Uh, and it's always so difficult to speculate about this, and we don't even have openings. Uh, but again, I haven't heard anything about Jeff Phelps leaving. I just know on the message boards, a lot of people have mentioned David Turner. And so because I am friends with Dave Turner, I thought, well, let me just kind of see what's going on here and see if there is anything going on. You never know. Phelps may already have something lined up. I don't know that. I'm not trying to suggest that. But I know it's a topic of conversation, and I feel an obligation to address it with you guys here on the show. Now, probably the thing that is important to understand, and I think many of you probably maybe share some of the sentiment, uh, we are going to revamp our recruiting staff. Brad Peterson, of course, former uh, staffer at State, headed back. Guy that loves Mississippi State, knows Mississippi. Brad Peterson's headed back to Mississippi State to kind of work in uh, you know, kind of a chief of staff type role. Not exactly sure what all his responsibilities are going to be, but Brad's headed back. Uh, Rod Gibson, I understand, is going to be retained. I think Rod deserves a bigger role, to be quite honest with you. I think Rod is more than just a recruiting analyst. I'm not saying that Rod needs to be on the field, but Rod Gibson, uh, in my estimation, in my opinion, probably needs a raise and some added responsibility. Nobody knows Mississippi better than Rod. I bet he's been in every high school in Mississippi. And more importantly, it's not just that Rod knows Mississippi, but Mississippi knows Rod. Now, I'll also tell you this. They call it an educated opinion. I think there's a good chance Chad Bumpus comes home. Not ready to call it, but I think that there will be an opportunity for Chad Bumpus to come to Mississippi State to coach wide receivers. Don't know how the staff's going to be structured on the offensive side of the football. That'll be determined when they hire the new offensive coordinator. But I think there is a place for Chad Bumpus on this staff, and I think that would excite a lot of people, not just because Chad was such a heralded player and he is so intelligent and talented and because we have so many fond memories with him, but Chad is a relentless recruiter. I can tell you guys this. At least once a year, especially in the spring, I get a call from Chad asking me about players in Mississippi. He's not offering opinions. He's asking me, what do you know about this guy? I need to find a receiver. I need that. And so he's working every angle he's got. And so Chad is royalty in this state. And I think Chad is a guy, too. You bring him in back into Mississippi, and I think it really ignites things. And I think about this uh, northeast corner of the state. State's done really well at, at uh, Tupelo in recent years. But uh, with Bumpus here, you know, state should always get whoever they want out of this northeast corner of the state. It's a big part of things. So – I can't call it just yet, but I think there is a road home for Chad Bumpus, and I know that is something that many people would be very excited about. But, uh, again, once we get the offensive coordinator position settled, then we'll begin to see some things. And, again, we're less than a week away from the bowl game. We'll get through the bowl game, and then we've got to get these staffing issues resolved, whether we retain people or replace people. Uh, and there will be some guys that will leave, right? I mean, that's just you know, it's the nature of things. And, and this offensive staff has basically been together – uh, the entire time, you know, for three years. And three years is kind of a long time for an assistant coach these days. But, I, again, I anticipate changes on the offensive side of the football. And you probably need to let the offensive coordinator come in and kind of hire some of his own guys, right? I mean, that makes perfect sense. Uh, but it was interesting, Arnett didn't do that. I mean, when Arnett was hired, the defensive staff was already in place. He kind of had to adjust to whoever was in the room. 
but I think you will see the offensive coordinator come in and bring at least a coach of his own choosing. And then I think there probably will be, again, a, a pathway for Chad Bumpus to come back. And, again, I feel like Chad would accept the, the job. But, you know, Chad already has a wide receiver coaching job in the Power Five. So he's not just going to come back for peanuts. You know, we're going to have to pay him. We're going to have to do a good job. But I do think Chad Bumpus will get an opportunity to come home in the event there is a wide receiver opening. I don't think – I think that list is one name long, and it's Chad Bumpus. makes perfect sense to me. And you look at the work he's done at Utah and how competitive his group has been, I have zero doubt that Chad Bumpus will come back here and do an amazing job for State. And, again, that's not done. It's not settled by any stretch of the imagination. But I believe that the possibility exists there. And it's very exciting to me. I think Chad Bumpus is a guy that uh, I have liked Chad from the moment that I met him when he was a sophomore in high school. Chad is a very, very confident person that believes in Mississippi State, that believes in the Mississippi State story. He's worn the uniform. He understands how important the rivalry is, not just on game day, but also on the recruiting trail. And I promise you this, if Chad Bumpus ever gets the opportunity to come home to Mississippi State, and be an assistant coach, he will take the fight to Ole Miss on the recruiting trail each and every day. All right, I didn't do it yesterday, but remind you guys, too, if you hadn't done so, go to dogpiledabook.com, and you can get all my sports books there. That's Dogpile, Flim Flam, Stark Villains, and Alpha Dogs. And, and uh, I would say that in, in the warehouse, there's probably less than a case of Villains and two cases of Alpha Dogs. That's it. Now, bookstores still have them, but uh, they're going to be in short supply here in 2023. And you never know how life works. But uh, if you haven't got those books, I'd encourage you to get them now. Bloomsville Leander, of course, available through Amazon.com, BarnesNoble.com, BooksAmillion.com. We sold a lot of those copies, too. And it amazes me. It really does. And uh, Stark Villains gear, I got uh, some pictures yesterday from some folks that got Stark Villains gear for Christmas. So thank you very much for those of you that bought Stark Villains gear. Again, at StarkVillains.com, get yourself a hoodie, get yourself a T-shirt. You'd be glad you did. Guys, I'm, uh, I'm going to take some time off and enjoy the family. And, um, you know, it's one of those things, too. Like, I, I am such a competitive person. Like, I never want to take any time off. Like, I, I never want to be that guy. And, uh, you know, the last month of my life, well, I guess two months of my life, has been uh, – it's been a challenge. I mean, it really has. And I, I'll be honest with you, I'm having a lot more fun now. I mean, I am. But it's been a challenge at times to kind of get, you know, to get the show together, to kind of get, uh, you know, get articles together. And it's like, and then in the middle of all that, we lose Coach Leach. And uh, life is difficult for all of us at some point. It is. And one of the things that's important to understand, and I learned this early in recovery, is there's a difference between what's happening to somebody else and what's happening to you. And you can't internalize, you can't make the whole world's problems your own. And sometimes I forget that. I do. Uh, but I can tell you this, is that uh, I, I love my wife and my family probably perhaps more than I ever have at any point in my life. And it's difficult to quantify that. But there, you reach a point in life sometimes and you kind of look up and you think, you know what, I'm a pretty lucky guy. I'm very fortunate to have these people in my life and, uh, and I'm prioritizing them much more. And uh, we'll find the right balance, there's a bit of that. But uh, I just want to encourage you to, uh, as you get into New Year's, and uh, my wife loves New Year's Eve more than anybody I know. And, uh, and, I, and I, it's one of those things, too. It's always just kind of been, you know, another day. You know, it's like now we've got to write a different date. But every year on New Year's Eve, my wife cries every single time. She cries every single New Year's Eve. And we weren't together last year on New Year's. And uh, there have been some times that I've been covered bowl games and we have to call and talk and she has to cry on the phone. And she always says it's like you get a chance to start over. 
And she said, I look back over the year and I think about the good and the bad in each and every year, and I'm glad that it's behind us and I'm optimistic about the future. And so my hope is we can kind of share that same sentiment. Let's appreciate 2022 for what it was, even as difficult as it was in many respects, especially for state athletics. You know, it, was not, it wasn't a terrible year, but it wasn't a year that we can really brag about in many respects. I mean, really the highlight of the year is us winning the Golden Egg, and I think us winning the Rely Quest Bowl will kind of dwarf that accomplishment. But um, my point being is that let's get 2022 behind us and look forward to a much more opti- op- optimistic 2023 because I think we're going to be much better in every sport, and I think we're already seeing that on the basketball side. And so take some time with your family. I, I'm, of course, I'm a writer. I'm a, I'm a guy that always is writing things down, and I would encourage you to. One of the things that I like to do at the end of the year is I like to write down the things that I'm most proud of that happened, and then I write my goals for the next year. I begin to think these are the things that I want to focus on. And so there's something about writing it down that kind of makes it official in my heart, right? Maybe you're like that too, but I write it down. And once I write it down, I'm kind of committed to it. And sometimes I'll put them on a sticky note and put them next to my monitor and, and I'm, I'm reminded of the things that I want to accomplish. And uh, one of the things, again, that I'm considering now is write another book in 2023. And I'll have more details as we get a little bit closer. But uh, I'll go ahead and I'll make some calls today and I'll go ahead and make some commitments and we'll get that, that started. And uh, I look forward to it. But uh, I love each and every one of you, whether we've ever met or not. And uh, if nobody else has told you today, you're important to me. I value you as, uh, as a contributor to my life. And let's work together to spread kindness wherever we go. I mean, really. I mean, like we always people talk about, well, this person's a real one, you know, because they bring confrontation everywhere they go. Uh, what if we just brought a little kindness? And don't mistake kindness for weakness. You know, sometimes we're being kind because we choose to be, not because we have to be, Right. But let's just make the world a better place. And I don't, I don't want to get too lost in the platitudes of life and that sort of stuff. But uh, it's a time for reflection, but it's also a time for optimism. As, uh, I think, you know, life is what we make it. You know, I think it's important not to lead an accidental life and to have some goals for ourselves, both personally and professionally, whether it be about your relationship or, or be about vacations or, or personal accomplishments. It is important that we continue to dream. All right, that's it for today. Thanks again, as always, for your support of the Boneyard. I will see you guys in the new year. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.